It's Friday, January the 15th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Biden's $1.9 trillion stimulus plan and impasse in Italy. First, the world in brief. President-elect Joe Biden unveiled a coronavirus stimulus plan worth $1.9 trillion. If passed by Congress, which Mr Biden's party will soon control, it would mean $1 trillion worth of new handouts, in the form of a $1,400 payment to most American households, and $400 a week in extra unemployment benefits. There would also be $350 billion in aid for state governments, with $160 billion earmarked for vaccination and test and trace programs, on top of the $900 billion emergency package agreed last month. The move comes as America's jobless figure has risen to its highest level since August. Worries about further violence in America grew, with reports that the National Mall in Washington, D.C., normally filled with Inauguration Day crowds, will be closed when President-elect Joe Biden is sworn in on Wednesday. Airbnb cancelled all reservations in the city for next week. Peter Meyer, a Republican congressman who voted to impeach President Donald Trump, said he and several colleagues fear for their safety. The outgoing president threw a final haymaker in China's direction. His administration added nine more names to a blacklist of firms it says have ties to the People's Liberation Army, prohibiting American suppliers from exporting technology to them and allowing the blocking of their imports. They include Xiaomi, one of the world's largest makers of smartphones, and Sinoc, a state-owned oil giant. Mainland China recorded its first death from COVID-19 since May. It occurred in Hebei province, which surrounds Beijing, where 23 million people are under some form of restrictions following the country's biggest outbreak since the summer. Heilongjiang province in the northeast has also reported new cases. Giuseppe Conte, Italy's prime minister, offered no immediate resolution to the crisis engulfing his government. Italia Viva, a junior coalition partner led by Matteo Renzi, a former prime minister, withdrew its support on Wednesday over Mr Conte's plans to revive Italy's economy in the wake of the pandemic. With it went Mr Conte's parliamentary majority. Few in parliament want an election, not least because it would be held under new rules that reduce the number of seats by a third. Britain will ban travellers entering the country from South America and Portugal from Friday. The measure is intended to prevent transmission of a new variant of COVID-19 from Brazil, which is thought, like those found recently in Britain and South Africa, to be more infectious. British and Irish nationals and those with residency rights are exempt from the rule, but will have to isolate for 10 days on arrival. Last year may have been the hottest on record. NASA determined that the average global land and ocean temperatures in 2020 were fractionally warmer than in 2016, the previous peak while the American National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration concluded the opposite. Temperatures in 2016 were bolstered by the El Nino weather event. 2020s were not. And editor's note. Thursday's edition of Espresso incorrectly stated that three ministers from the Italia Viva party in Italy's ruling coalition, not two, resigned over the government's handling of the pandemic. Sorry. And now, here's today's agenda. Haystacks of needles. Vaccinating India. The world's biggest vaccination drive is due to start tomorrow. It aims to inoculate 300 million of India's 1.3 billion or so people within the next six to eight months. 
Both the AstraZeneca vaccine, developed at Oxford University and manufactured by India's Serum Institute at Pune, and another of native design by Bharat Biotech, approved before it could finish all its safety trials, have been distributed among 37 cold storage sites around the country. This next step depends on the kind of organisation at which India excels, a great big one-off explosion of coordinated activity, such as holding nationwide elections. A legion of refrigerated vans, monitored by GPS, will fan from district headquarters into villages, administering first doses to 30 million medical and frontline workers, then to citizens older than 50 and those with underlying conditions. Each recipient is to be tracked by an app-based COVID vaccine intelligence network, nicknamed CoWin. Fun Fight The Big Mac Index Despite a recent bout of weakness, the dollar still looks strong, judging by The Economist's latest Big Mac index. By comparing the prices of McDonald's burgers around the world, the index provides a rough gauge of the purchasing power of currencies. Our measure suggests that the currencies of all 20 trading partners studied by America's Treasury have strengthened against the greenback since July, but that all except the Swiss franc are still undervalued. America is keen to punish countries that intentionally depress their currencies. In November, it used currency manipulation to justify tariffs on imports of twist ties used to seal plastic bags from China. But according to another version of the index, which adjusts for GDP per person, the yuan is in fact overvalued against the dollar by 2.5%. That gives the incoming Biden administration, which has promised to take aggressive trade enforcement actions against currency manipulators, lots to chew on. Three men and a vote. Germany's Christian Democrats Tomorrow, Germany's ruling Christian Democrats will finally elect a new leader. After the pandemic foiled two planned votes in person, the 1001 party delegates will instead have to log in to a virtual congress. Three men are in the running. Armin Laschet, the affable premier of North Rhine-Westphalia, Germany's biggest state, stands for continuity with the centrism of Angela Merkel, who will retire as chancellor after an election in September. His chief rival is Friedrich Merz, a former leader of the CDU's parliamentary group, who promises a sharper conservative edge. The third candidate is Norbert Röttgen, head of the Bundestag's Foreign Affairs Committee, who has campaigned well but may struggle tomorrow. The winner will become the favourite to succeed Mrs Merkel, although he must first secure the joint chancellor candidacy of the CDU and the CSU, its Bavarian sister party. And the CSU's leader, Markus Zuder, is more popular than all three CDU men. Broken record Donald Trump's impeachment Donald Trump is the first American president to be impeached twice by the House of Representatives. None has ever been convicted in the Senate. The chance of Mr Trump becoming the first looks slim, but not zero. His term ends on Wednesday, insufficient time for a trial to take place in the Senate. The conservative-leaning Supreme Court may have to determine whether he can be tried after he has left office. If it does, the Senate is likely to proceed immediately. If necessary, Congress could divide its time between the trial and other business. To convict Mr Trump, at least 17 Republican senators will have to turn against him. During his first impeachment trial, only one, Mitt Romney, crossed the floor. But 10 Republicans voted against him in the House this time. Their colleagues in the Senate may recognise impeachment as the only way to loosen Mr Trump's malign grip on their party. A ghastly mess? American bank earnings. 
Throughout the pandemic, America's banks have acted as a window into the financial health of their customers. Today, more may be revealed about how both lenders and clients fared in the last quarter of 2020, when three of the biggest banks, JP Morgan Chase, Citigroup and Wells Fargo, report results. The insights will be messy, says analysts at KBW, a research firm. On the downside, net charge-offs from bad loans are expected to have climbed as borrowers begin to default. Bankers have tried to anticipate this by writing down loans already, but they may have gone too far or not far enough. On the upside, last year banks also benefited in unexpected ways from strong mortgage demand, an IPO boom and bumper trading revenues in choppy markets. The net effect is still uncertain, but banks' earnings overall are expected to have fallen by around 8% year-on-year in the fourth quarter. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Hugh Trevor Roper, who was born on this day in 1914. History is not merely what happened, it is what happened in the context of what might have happened. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.